We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Thursday evening with some real football on tap tonight with the Chiefs and the Lions, and obviously uh, real football on tap on Sunday afternoon, Dolphins and Chargers. Um, cannot wait to uh, watch some real NFL football. You know, it was a nice little warm-up last week with college football, but, you know, I, I'm so excited that the NFL is back. And joining me tonight is my guy, Tyler, of course. Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing? Thank goodness. And we've sort of said this along the way the last month or so, because it's like, okay, thank goodness training camp is back. Thank goodness the preseason is back. But it's real football. And tonight's a really good matchup. Could be, I don't want to say a critical matchup, but hey, anytime you can hope for the Chiefs to lose, you root for the other team. So go Lions. I think we're all, I think everyone in here is a Lions fan tonight. Um <laughs> Wish Travis Kelsey nothing but good health, but for tonight, go Lions. Yeah, no, it's exciting stuff. I can't believe we're back. And as we talked about with Sean, and it really has, as everyone's been talking about, this week one matchup couldn't really be any better outside of maybe like a revenge game against the Jaguars if they had that, which they mm -hmm. don't. Um, couldn't be much better of a, of a week one matchup. I love this one. Yeah, there's a, a ton of great storylines. Um, you know, we'll see about from a, a health perspective, the Dolphins could be without their arguably two best players on the whole team, depending on how you feel about uh, Jalen Ramsey and, and Toronto Armstead at this point in their careers. 
Um, but this is this is a great matchup. You know, we highlighted a lot of the Brandon Staley versus Mike McDaniel coaching matchup we with uh, Sean, and we could have done the whole episode about Kellen Moore versus Vic Fangio, like, to be honest with you. Um, the coaching matchup is super interesting. You know, there's, there's coaching overlap on both sides. Um, the rosters are both really, really loaded with talent. These are two teams kind of jockeying for position in the AFC outside of like that elite tier. So it's, it's going to be a ton of fun. I'm super excited for this matchup. Um, the narratives this week have been kind of stupid, which makes sense, but like we have all these great things to like focus on and everybody's like two was drafted one spot of Justin Herbert. It's like, who cares at this point? Uh, so I, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to, to dive into this. So, um, today we will have kind of our, our deep dive format from last year. We've, we've trimmed it down a little bit. Um, but we're going to go, uh, really look at this Dolphins roster and the coaching staff. Um, we'll have our key matchups, our X factors, a little bit of the injury report as well. Um, but it's only right today that we start by talking about the great, great first episode, the return of the all-in series that the Chargers have really embraced over the last uh, couple of years. Um, gave us some great insight into a lot of different things, but this team is not hiding from what ha happened in Jacksonville. And I think that it would have been very easy for this team to say, Hey, you know what? Like, let's just kind of bury this and like, let's never talk about it again. Um, the whole episode, the, the first half of it at least is all about like revisiting that game in Jacksonville. And I thought it was so, so well done by the production team. Tyler, what did you think of the All In episode from today? So uh, three things regarding that episode. I watched the first probably third or so. Then when they got to the Jacksonville game, I just hit fast forward and moved <laughs> through that. And then I didn't really watch much after that because I, I just got home from work. So I haven't watched the second half. It seems like there's a lot of a uh, couple of interviews some training camp stuff. Yeah. But I really liked what Antonio Gates was talking about, about, you know, start fast and finish. Um, and in particular, I feel like with football, we always hear start fast is fast is more about like score points earlier, stuff like that. But for Antonio Gates, it was, OK, what kind of role model can I be? What can I set this kind of standard? And I, I just just seeing Antonio Gates, I don't know if he's a good public speaker or what it is about his words. It's just his presence. And I don't know if it's just kind of that sweet spot of being a revered veteran, like you said, 16 years in the NFL, set all sorts of records and whatnot. Um, but it was, it was great hearing him. And it seems like the Chargers are going to lean into, you know, his words, both in the title of the episode, which I believe was finish. And then you see throughout the video, throughout training camp, everyone's saying, you know, finish through the tackle, finish the play, that sort of thing. And I'd love for the Chargers to carry that all the way through. So, um, yeah, I, I feel bad that they had to revisit some of this. But at the same time, especially like Sebastian Joseph Day, who is maybe the happiest guy on the team you know, always having the most fun. Yeah. Him talking about that game, it was like a traumatic incident. Mm -hmm. And every time he was tired, every time that there was some other reason to do something else, he thought of that game. And you could see in his eyes, like it really affected him. And, you know, everyone across the board, it seems like it, it, it really affected them. Like this is, it, it will happen again. Maybe not to that extent. Like they will lose games. They might lose in the postseason this year. But like they were an embarrassment. And I think after that game, honestly, as fans, we were very embarrassed. Um, all of us were celebrating. I was booking tickets to Kansas City. 
and the game <laughs> turned out very different, you know? So yeah. I think they realized like the media doesn't care about them anymore. The last time we saw them, they were embarrassing. No one believes them in them anymore. They don't get voted to anything. All the players, all these great players for what Joey Bosa to get like ninth on the, uh, you know, ESPN rankings and, and Derwin was second and that was it. You know, I think these guys realize that they embarrass themselves and they got to hold on to that. And it's something that isn't going to really go away for them. Like, we'll feel really good in week one if they win, but it's not going to go away for them. And honestly, until they get it done, like it would take revenge in Jacksonville and a deep postseason run and maybe in a Super Bowl to get rid of this. And so I'm kind of glad that they're holding on to it because that will keep you grounded and focused for all 17 games and then pass that. Yeah, I mean, like me personally, right? Like we we hopped on the show after that game, and like I changed my name to like an embarrassed Charger fan. Like that's that that's how I felt, and it's it's stuck with me, you know. Like I again, like I'm not on the team or anything like that, but like we just did our picks and predictions show, and I didn't have the Chargers winning a playoff game in part because of like how that game went about and like how I felt about that game heading in, and then obviously what happened, but. Um, as several people are pointing out in the chat, I love that Brandon Staley is not running from this. And, you know, it got to the point where like the players were getting asked about it, like at every single press conference. And I'm like, oh, like enough, like, let's move on. Like, please, can we stop talking about this? But they're addressing it head on. You know, Brandon Staley said, you know, we talked previously about his time with Steve Kerr. He also said that he went and visited uh with greg popovich and you know greg popovich has you know had an amazing amazing career but he certainly had some tough moments and you know what he learned from those coaches is that you have to address these situations and you have to figure out what kind of points you left on the board you know the uh the spurs in 2013 you know playing the miami heat and lebron lebron james and all those guys um you know everybody kind of remembers that like Ray Allen shot at the end, which kind of brought the 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 heat back and, and ultimately, you know, boosted them to winning the series. Well, before that shot, not only did the, the Spurs miss out on some rebounds, they also missed some free throws. You know, they had a couple turnovers late. And it's like everything adds up. And in order to really come back from those moments, you have to address what happened and not just like talk about it as like, oh, we lost. It was terrible. Like, whoa, it was me. Okay, let's move on. Blank slate. No, let's hash this out. What exactly happened? And he went through the whole game again with these guys and saying, hey, look, like we had five turnovers and we only scored one touchdown off of those turnovers. We had a missed field goal. We didn't get a single stop in the second half. Like we did this. We did that. Uh, special teams gave up a big punt return, which I think is an underrated moment of that of that game, too. And he went through all of it. And mm-hmm. for whatever your gripes with Brandon Stadium, I think we've we've certainly had some of our own. I think it is extremely respectable that he has taken this game as head on as he has. And to me, like it's, it's shaping the way that this team attacked the off season. And you mentioned Sebastian Joseph day, like every player was like, Hey man, like that shit hurt. And we're, we're working hard. So that is never going to happen again. So it's just, I, I think it's to be commended the way that this team has handled that loss to the Jaguars, because I think it would have been so easy to just swipe it under the rug. Let's move on. Never talk about it. And turns out that they've used it as that motivation to get everything going this year. Yeah, and it really feels like the team did learn from what happened. We'll see how much it translates to wins, but you can just tell with the moves that they made. Obviously, moving up from Joe Lombardi. 
you had to learn from that not working out. It didn't work out. There are some good things that he did, but they needed more. So, of course, they go get oh, literally Kellen Moore. I didn't mean to make that. That's hilarious. Um, for the first time I've made that dumb joke. Um, but then <laughs> they go out and like, look at today, for example, we know that Chris Rumpf is unlikely to play, I would say, going from technically limited, um, although it's because he sustained an injury in practice um, that day, to did not participate. And what do the Chargers have? Oh, a second round pick they burned on an edge rusher that they feel really, really good about. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're not at a point where receivers are injured, but hey, if a receiver goes down, Quentin Johnson is currently your fourth guy. Yeah. And Jalen Guyton's on the way. So you, you really see that the Chargers, I think, whether it works or not, I think learned from the mistakes of that game, really the whole season. And that is that is the one thing I can definitely say about Brandon Staley. That and maybe defensive player development is I do think he learns from his mistakes. Is it in game? Is it, you know, between games or during the season? Maybe not as much, but you can tell he's very reflective at the end of the season and yeah. go, okay, what are like three things that I can definitely change and fix? Whether it works or not, I don't know, but I respect the process of what they've done so far to fix it. Yeah, I don't want to spoil the, the second half because I, I think there's a ton of great insight in there. But, mm. you know, there's there's some really key mantras that the team is, has practiced with, and that's the start fast and the finish. And then also Brandon Slaley talked about, you know, they're extremely focused on the run game on both sides and mm. explosive plays on both sides. So obviously establishing a true ground game on offense, which we've seen come to fruition. They ran for 600 and whatever yards in the preseason mm-hmm. um, and being more explosive, creating more explosive plays on offense, on defense. It's stopping the run at a higher level and then preventing the explosive plays on defense, which is something that Derwin James has talked about, you know, over and over again is, is kind of the key thing there. So um, a ton of great information in this episode. It's so well done. You know, uh, Jason Levine and Tyler Pino, um, I, I can't remember all the names, but they deserve such a, a job well done for what they have put out in the all in series. And regardless of like what happens, you know, like yeah, people are not going to blame HBO for what happens to the jets, right? Like this production team that the chargers have is outstanding. And, uh, we are very fortunate to have them on our side. There's a way that they present and cut and, and honestly, also the access that they have, it just makes it more lived in, more more like breathed. There's something about it versus, honestly, the, the Cardinals snippet that they had. Now, I didn't watch the whole thing. Maybe it was excellent, but like that was their best thing they could have sent out. Yeah, and, just, <laughs> and and part of that was the coach, but like the editing, the whole thing. Like the the production team just didn't get it. Like don't don't put that out there or don't cut it yeah. like that. The Chargers they just they just get it. So we're really spoiled that. Hey, if it's a awful season it's a well-produced well-documented awful season (laughs) well hopefully it's not an awful season (laughs) because we have to talk (laughs) about that season um but yeah i think it's it's a great series i'm really excited to see where they go from here um you know the jc jackson recovery process is going to be uh you know a a really interesting episode (laughs) yeah (laughs) david thompson tyler did you have that fire in your gut Yeah, I mean, I, I had some, I had like a bowl of cereal and slightly lactose intolerance. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Somebody save our guy Kaiser, please. Please, please, please. <laughs> uh, voted a captain uh, I saw on Instagram last night. So, oh, wow. vote for Kaiser. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's, let's get into this Dolphins roster. We'll talk about some of the coaching staff. And then, like I said, we'll have our uh, key matchups, X factors, and, and all that stuff. 
here in a bit. So as always, Tyler has prepared a wonderful slideshow with these <laughs> graphics. I don't know. I don't know how you make these, honestly. Like slides go, man. Slides go. <laughs> All right, let's get started here, Tyler. All right, so we talked a lot about Mike McDaniel and what this coaching staff has has looked like. Um, he's made some great additions on his coaching staff. Obviously, we are very, very sad to still be without Frank Smith. We'd love to have him on this roster, but you know it is what it is. I think he's doing a great job over there. Um, and then he goes out and makes the biggest defensive coordinator hiring that any team wanted to make. Um, Vic Vangio was reported that he had like offers from 12 teams and like, is I don't think that we've seen anything specific about his salary, but I would be shocked if he's not the highest paid coordinator in the league at this point. Uh, so, Tyler, what do you make of this pairing between Mike McDaniel and Vic Fangio at this point? Yeah, I was really bummed. And that means it was good. You know, like <laughs> it's funny. This was almost the chart. Like this could have almost been the Chargers coaching staff, right? If yeah. they hired McDaniel and Frank Smith was already there last year, the previous year. And let's say Fangio, they got him last year or something. This almost could have been it. Like this almost could have been the coaching staff. It's a good group. I don't know how much Frank Smith changed things along the offensive line or how much they improved, how much of that was just having to run Armstead. But the Chargers clearly very much so missed him. And I'm sure Dolphins fans were happy to have him. Um, Fangio, it's a it's a bummer that Fangio is now with them because the defense, the offense could clearly score for the Dolphins, but the defense yeah. was just not it. I don't want to say it's exactly the same, but almost like the Cleveland Browns where a lot of pieces on that defense. But did you ever hear about the Browns being like a top five unit? No, because whether it's linebackers, or the secondary, nothing was really working over there as it should have. So Fangio could be that stabilizing force. How soon? I don't know. But like he's the guy like Fangio is the guy like everyone is a disciple of Fangio. You know, he's the guy that's come up with all this. So, you know, we'll see how much it affects the chargers right and, and how they can stop justin herbert but overall this is a this is a good coaching staff i don't know if it's great i don't think we can say that but if you know things were reversed and you asked me okay look at this as the chargers coaching staff what do you think i'd say it's probably pretty good i'd feel pretty good about that so it's a good coaching staff let's see if they can put it together after week one yeah vic vangio on this defense i think is as an objective football fan it's exciting for a couple pieces in particular. Mm. Um, first would be Jalen Phillips, who under yeah. the previous regime rushed from the inside like quite often, um, you know, oh, as kind of like a five tech, you know, because that the previous regime came from the Bill Belichick tree. And so like they they have like these pass rushers who go from, you know, kind of an outside linebacker right. to defensive end type. And you know, Vic Vangio is not going to do that with Jalen Phillips unless like you're talking about some, you know, NASCAR packages and things like that. So Jalen Phillips is going to be like a legitimate edge rusher outside linebacker type in this defense, which I think is exciting. He's somebody that I am super impressed with. He was my edge one in that class, which wasn't a great class, but I, I really liked him and what his uh, upside could bring. And then the second player is Javon Holland. Uh mm -hmm. Mr. Justin Herbert's former uh, college teammate, who, again, I was very high on coming out of the draft. He's had a great career. Um, but at this point, like, I think, you know, under the previous regime, it was a lot of, like, box safety stuff. And, like, he would blitz a lot and he would play the run a lot. Well, now Vic Vangio can come back and, and play Javon Holland in this kind of 
Justin Simmons, Derwin James role where, hey, like, let's play him deep. Let's play him in the slot. Let's rush him because he can do that too. Um, but just a more versatile player um, than I think he had been able to show off in previous uh, um, iterations of this defense. So I- I'm very curious to see how this plays out. The like historically Vic Vangio's first season at a place is kind of a slow start more the mm. more so than people are kind of talking about. And again, you're going from a Bill Belichick type defense where you blitz a ton to the Vic Vangio defense, which is kind of more static in terms of the pressure packages. Brand, that's something Brand Staley has really cranked up, right? But traditionally, mm-hmm. Vic Vangio doesn't blitz a whole lot. He stunts more so than blitzes. Um, you do a lot more two high shell looks than you do kind of cover one, cover three looks, which is what they did previously. So the, Vic is an amazing coach, arguably the best defensive coach of, of this current generation. Um, but traditionally, he's kind of struggled in that first season to a certain extent. I think his first season in Denver, the Broncos were like 18th in EPA per play on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, in San Francisco, they were like 15th. In Chicago, they were like 15th. So I say struggled, but like relative to Vic Vangio, right? So it, it takes a little bit for him to install things. If he sticks around, their year two is probably going to be better than year one. But I do think that this defense has some legitimate gas to play with with this personnel packages. And I think that if everything kind of comes together, it could be a top five unit. But also Jalen Ramsey is out too. So the ceiling yeah. is very, very high. But I'm I'm wondering about the floor here with that's such a significant change for this defense. Yeah, tons of playmakers. I didn't realize Fangio's units started slower typically when he first got there. I don't know if it's sort of like, hey, I'm with the new regime. I need to go get my guys because it was this scheme or whatever. In the same way Staley's had now, it took three years to really overhaul from Gus Bradley in that previous regime. So mm-hmm. curious about that one. But yeah, Jalen Ramsey, and we can talk about the additions and losses next. Like that is such a huge addition for the team. Yeah, And it's such a huge missing piece um, on Sunday against the Dolphins when the Chargers play the Dolphins. Like, I'm not saying it guarantees a win by any means, but that compounded with, you know, Teron Armstead being, looks like out, is huge. So the, the, the Dolphins didn't do a whole lot in terms of additions by way of free agency or acquisitions, except for the Jalen Ramsey trade, and that is no longer there. Like, that would basically be like the Chargers starting last season without Khalil Mack. Just like your big acquisition is there and he's out and he's out for a pretty good portion of time. If he can even ramp back up to being kind of his full self at some point. So huge, huge loss for them in this game. Yeah. And we don't know when he's going to be back. It sounds like possibly like December for them. Um, And you just hate like having a corner who's turning 30, I think in this year, if I'm not mistaken, you know, having this kind of major injury, it's going to be tough for him to get back to, that kind of form that he had with the Rams, but um, that's a significant loss. I think they have done a good job to kind of take some chances in the secondary without him. Obviously they signed Eli Apple, who we, we could have put on here. Um, Cater Kohu had a fantastic season last year. I think Xavier Howard's best days are behind him, but he's still a good corner. So it's not like there's just nothing in the, in the cupboard here for the, for the Dolphins secondary, but, um, like you mentioned, no real big additions because they traded for Jalen Ramsey. That was the big addition. Um, but David Long, everybody who watches film loves David Long, apparently. 
um, just has a, a great kind of feel for things. I do think he's a great linebacker for this kind of defense. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike White, obviously the backup quarterback, um, filling in for, I think Teddy Bridgewater was their backup last year, or am I mistaken? Yeah, yeah Bridgewater. It's on the losses too. Oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a day it's been a it's day. okay um the wide receiver swap here is interesting too because they basically swap braxton barrios in for trent sherfield um and then isaiah win has been playing guard for them um even d- despite like playing left tackle for most of his career so not a ton of of notable additions or losses here but tyler what what stands out to you other than Jalen Ramsey, of course. Um, I'm curious how they'll end up using their tight ends with Kaseki out. Um, Sean talked about on on stats and scheme the way that he was used, and Tej talked about this as well. He's you know that that power slot type. So what are the what do the Dolphins do now that that's that he's not there? So I'm curious how they work with that. And then Isaiah Wynn, I'm I was surprised to hear that. I would have assumed that when Armstead's out, Wynn's the guy Me that's too. in. Me um, too. So to hear that he's not at least right now, and maybe that could change is a bit of a surprise and again like that that absence which we'll talk about eventually is huge so isaiah when signing him a guy who's played a ton of tackle and then just not putting him out there is a surprise i'm not really sure what the plan would be for him there yeah kendall lamb apparently is is in line to start at left tackle if uh toron armstead has uh any kind of issues Mm -hmm. um he's been a, a journeyman he's been in the league since 2015 so i don't know if we'll talk about him later but um it's a it's a significant deal if teron armstead can't play um a, apparently he only practiced like twice all last season despite playing like 12 games so Jeez. he could certainly turn this around but he's has not practiced and has like four different injuries so i i kind of think that he's not going to play but again we'll talk about that in a second yeah and uh draft class is small <laughs> yeah <laughs> um they only had the the four picks because of the jalen ramsey trade and they actually cut elijah higgins and ryan hayes from this team so their official draft class was cam smith who's probably going to start in this game and devon Chain, who is also going to be very relevant in this game yeah uh I didn't realize that those other two guys were cut. I realized it was a small <laughs> class. I didn't realize they cut the other two guys. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. See, the Chargers aren't the only team that cuts their seventh round picks. Yeah. Hey, we kept our sixth round picks. So there we go. Um, Cam Smith was a big fan of his. I don't recall if we had him over Darius Rush. It was either very close or you might have liked Rush more. I liked Rush more. Who? Who's on the Chiefs, which sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other thing. Um, but Achen is interesting, especially if the, if the Dolphins decided to do more like that downhill, just go sort of thing, rather you know, gap scheme rather than zone. We'll see. I, I have no idea. But I believe it's Wilson that's out for the, the Dolphins right now. Yeah. So how much does he contribute? I don't know. It's a good group, I guess. No superstar. But the this kind of rushing attack, or at least historically, this, this sort of rushing attack has not needed a superstar. But if they change things up, we'll see. I'm very curious, as we talked about with Sean what the Dolphins will do in the run game and whether Achin's involved or not, because they got track guys, but I don't know if their offensive line can do anything. <laughs> yeah. Respectfully. Uh, respectfully. <laughs> respectfully. Um, you know, this this running back room has got to be the fastest running back room in the league because Raheem Mostert is probably one of the fastest running backs and, and Achin is, is extremely fast too. So, you know, the, the fit here, like schematically, you know, the Dolphins are are – potentially going towards a more downhill 
inside run game. Sean kind of saw that in the preseason. The numbers really backed that up on, on PFF. Um, it doesn't really fit Achain's skill set, in my opinion. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I would expect Achain to have some some key touches in this game because he's just such a versatile weapon. I believe he is their starting kick returner, too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, at least that's what our lads has. And like that makes sense because he was a great kick returner yeah. in college. So um, both of these guys, I think, are going to play. Cam Smith officially started. I'm not quite positive on, but I uh, like you're not starting Eli Apple over him. I think <laughs> I would hope not if I'm if, I, if I'm a Dolphins fan. Um, but Devon Achain is going to play. He's going to have a role. Yeah. And the Chargers like speed on the Dolphins offense is crazy at every single position. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's something that they're going to have to really be on top of this week. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about the matchups and, and X factors and such, but I, the Chargers don't exactly like Asante Samuel Jr. Good athlete, but certainly not that kind of speed. Like Michael Davis is the track guy, you know, Alohi Gilman, very sound in place kind of guy, but he doesn't have that, that speed either. So, Really curious how the Dolphins test that with their speed. They'll test everybody with it, but in particular the Chargers who have been bad against the run and don't quite have all the athletes in the secondary. And if JC plays, I don't know how healthy he is or how he can move. Right. So a lot to be considered there. Assuming, again, they even make it past the line of scrimmage. (laughs) Yeah, fair. (laughs) That's the big thing, and that's what we talked about with Sean is like, yeah, all this scheme stuff is is great but like if the dolphins can't block this chargers offensive line then like how much is it really going to uh matter here sorry if you can hear my uh dog barking but all um all right so let's uh let's get into these key matchups and x, x factors before we do that um do have to give a shout out to our friends over at prize picks um there's still time for you guys to go out there and uh, make some selections uh, for Thursday night football, I believe uh, it closes at uh, actually it might close at five. So maybe not unless you hurry. <laughs> um, but prize picks is a ton of fun. I, I've really enjoyed, um, you know, exploring the app. I think it's a really nice blend between like fantasy football and betting. So this this is kind of your thing. Um, it, it's a great way to start up. The, the app, of course, has very easy access to double your money in a, in a very quick fashion. Um, my favorite plays tonight that I went with were Amon Ross St. Brown, more than six and a half receptions, as well as, um, sorry, Brooks is calling me right now. Um, so it, it's a great app. Obviously, we're really excited to be working with them. Um, you can go to the website, prizepicks.com slash guilty and use the code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. Uh, we greatly appreciate your support in uh, signing up there and uh, make you some money as well. Yeah, go go bet on some Chargers overs or whatever it is. Like everywhere I look, there's some sort of over that the Chargers could absolutely hit because they're being completely undervalued um, in, in the realm of betting. So go for it. Uh, Steven's gone. So now I just get to talk to you guys. Um, yeah, go bet on some something else. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, well, he's gone. So I guess I'll just talk to you guys about whatever you guys want to talk about. Uh, looks like Steven's on the phone. Um, Lions beating the Chiefs. Sure. If the Lions can beat the Chiefs. Great. Will it happen? I don't know. I think the, the, Dol- the Dolphins. It's good that the Lions kept their offensive core intact. Um, being able to hold on to Johnson as their offensive coordinator is great. Um, we'll talk about X factors in a bit, but just what we'll be able to see tonight from Panay Sewell is what I'm kind of hoping that the Chargers can do with Rashawn Slater. It's just, there's just a different tier that you can hit with Rashawn Slater, with Panay Sewell, with these guys um, that you can't really anywhere else. Um, so yeah, Steven says he's got to go to the door. So whatever that means. I don't know if door is a, a code word for the, the pooper, but hopefully he gets to the door or whatever he's doing. Uh, no problem. Yeah, Sholo Man, Zion. I haven't seen Sholo Man in here forever, I feel like. Um, Zion Johnson and Sawyer versus Wilkins and Siler ready for it. Absolutely. Um, Zion's been lights out in, in the preseason. Yes, it's the preseason, but just I, I'm look, there there's a video of me, Steven, Arjun somewhere at the draft jumping and cheering when they got Zion Johnson. And I really hope that the the <laughs> that Zion Johnson can follow through with that because we'll forever be in the reaction video on the Chargers channel of us jumping and cheering for him. So if he's a bust, that'd be a little bit awkward. <laughs> I think Steven is. No, he's not. There he is. Yeah, I thought I thought I knew you were back. All right. Sorry. You're good. A little little miscommunication. I have the in-laws coming over for to watch the game tonight, and I thought Brooke was going to be home to let them in, and uh, she's not. <laughs> so I had to go let them in. All right. So cool. Thanks for um, uh, taking the questions there. Yeah, no problem. We just impromptu talked about uh you know Lions Chiefs, a little bit of Zion, so didn't get very far. All right. Uh Tyler, let's uh let's do some X factors here. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Um I'll go first. To me, it is if we're talking about X factors, it could be a specific stat or something that the Chargers could do. 
to me, it really comes down to Asante Samuel Jr. He is the X factor of this game, potentially the season, how he plays. They clearly have some faith in him. They tried Jaw Taylor out there. Again, maybe learning from their mistakes, seeing, okay, how can this guy hold up? And I think he had some good performances, some good days, but Zant was like the second best player in training camp. And so now what is he going to do? What did the Dolphins do? Did they challenge him? You know, the last, if they looked at what the Jaguars did in either game, but it, obviously in that last game, they ran at Asante Samuel Jr. And Asante Samuel Jr. just couldn't get there. And part yeah. of that's just physical limitations. And part of that's just kind of the way he plays. Not really known right now as a true run defender. So what does Asante Samuel Jr. do there? And then, of course, how does he do in coverage? Brandon Saley said that they're going to see Asante, we're going to see Asante Samuel Jr. on the outside as well. So how do they mix and match him? How does he play when he's inside or outside? Who do they match him up against? Do they feel better about one particular receiver than the other? Because, you know, this was one of the games last year where you could look at and say, hey, Jaw Taylor, if you're going to start him this year a lot more in the slot, that's the game. I think he gave up like 31 yards or whatever it was. I could be wrong. But it was a really, really solid game from Jaw Taylor. Now it's Asante Samuel Jr. So how does he look? The way he plays you know, good or bad, I think is the X factor of this game, because if they get to a point where they realize that he is, I guess, still a run game liability, they'll mm-hmm. just keep pressing that button. What we're going to test Zant and Gilman, and we're going to go away from Joey Bosa and let's see what you got. And if Zant can't stop that, they might have to change what they're doing, take him out. Who knows? So that's really the X factor for me and potentially the whole season. Yeah, I think that's really fair. I, I think you could bucket this as JC and Asante Sammy Jr. Um, we'll, we'll see exactly what kind of rotation, if at all, that, that happens from these two cornerbacks. But, you know, JC Jackson, it's been a great story. The fact that he's even playing in this game is is crazy to me. Um, but what does he look like? You know, this is traditionally an injury that is very, very difficult to recover from. And he said that he's ready to go. He's not going to put any limits on his on his knee. But what does that look like? Is he playing 100% of the snaps? Is he rotating with Asante Semi Jr.? Are you seeing Asante start in the slot in nickel, but in base packages, he's outside and JC's on the sideline? Like this, there's so many question marks for how that pans out. Um, Derwin James is going to take some snaps in the slot too. Um, I, I think Derek Anzi said today that just your Taylor is going to play, take some snaps in the slot. So the chargers have options. The chargers are, are deep at corner. Um, but this is, this is arguably the biggest test of the season. You know, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are, is probably the best receiver duo that they'll face the entire year. Um, so this is going to be a game where they have to be hundred percent on their, on their P's and Q's. They have to be able to be consistently matching these routes and, and it's going to be a tough matchup. So that I think them as the X factor, specifically Asante, is is the good call. Yeah, I don't. I don't honestly, as a fan, and I guess I'm saying this preemptively. I don't expect the Chargers to repeat what they did last year because what they did last year, covering those players, like nobody had done it the entire season, and certainly didn't expect that from the guys that were, you know, from Bryce Callahan not being there, Derwin James not being there, even with guys returning. And with Derwin James being there and Zom being out there, like I don't know if the Chargers can repeat, but still, like at least holding things down and preventing the you know the boat race of, of scoring points would be amazing for this team. Yeah, uh, to that point, I I think my X factor has to be Joey Bosa. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we talked all off season long that the, the narratives among the fan base were, were wild about Joey Bosa. Um, he's talked about previously, obviously the, all of the injuries that he's had, we heard from give Smith that it wasn't just one groin injury that both of his groins popped off of his bone and he had to get surgery for all of that. Um, He's said a few times in his career that he's the healthiest he's ever been, but I think this year <laughs> actually is true. <laughs> um, he's you know recovered from that injury. He's put on 15, 20 pounds. This is a very important season for Joey Bosa. You know, this is a season in which he has to stay healthy. It's a season that he has to prove that he can still be that top-tier edge rusher player. Uh, for a variety of reasons, I think both for his legacy as a Chargers player, you know, he's one of the only other players on the team that played in San Diego. Um, mm-hmm. This team could potentially move on from him in the offseason. Um, if this coaching staff is all back, you know, I-, I would not be surprised if they chose Khalil over Joey and decided to move Joey next year. Um, he's coming up towards the end of his career, and he's talked about this, that he really needs to take advantage of these moments because he doesn't know how many more of them he has. He really wants to like start winning games and play meaningful football for the rest of his career. So he's, he's starting to talk about a guy who's, who's kind of winding down his career. And it's unfortunate because I think at his best, he's one of the best edge rushers in the league. And I think the numbers bear that out, but this is a, a super important season for Joey Bosa. And this game specifically is an important game for Joey Bosa because the way that you stop an elite receiving option is you get after the quarterback. And, you know, this is a positive matchup for him. You know, the the Austin Jackson, who's probably starting to right tackle has been injured. He hasn't played very well. He's been very up and down throughout his career. This is a matchup that Joey Bosa should win and Joey Bosa should win very frequently. So this, uh, again, I think this is a legacy season for Joey. I'm very optimistic of his chances of having a great season but he has to start off right and that's even before we get to like the run game as well which i think he's a big part Mm -hmm. of too but joey has to be like 2021 joey or i think this defense is simply not going to reach its ceiling this year yeah we we talked about you know a lot of steely defenders in particular on defense were saying well how could he have the defense he wants without joey bosa like everything Derwin James is the guy, of course. Like that is kind of the, the biggest chess piece. But without Joey, how can he have a defense? So now he's back, and again in the best shape of his career. But again, like like you, I, I do believe it. But yeah, Joey strikes me as somebody that when the contract is up, I could see that just being it for him. He's made sure. a lot of money. So is his brother. Congratulations, Nick Bosa. <laughs> that Bosa money is different, man. <laughs> it is. Um, so I could see him going. Listen, I've made all I need to. That's it. Um, unless the Chargers continue to win. I think that's the only thing. You know, Joey's done everything. He's been defensive rookie of the year. He's made a lot of money. He's played a lot of games, uh, give or take the season. You know, rocked up a good enough um, you know, number of stats. He's had a nice, good career in the league. But now he's just got to get that last thing, which, which is winning. Meaningful games, winning in the postseason, and maybe if he could along the way, you know, becoming that you know elite-tier guy again that he wasn't last year because he was injured. You know, he's talked about, you know, I don't even care anymore. I just want to win games. Like he, he, he also might have a terrible career relative to his per play stats, but he was an important cog. He gained weight. He played the run. He did dirty work. He took on double teams. Maybe the per play stats aren't great, but the defense was better. 
So I'm really curious to see what this new version of Joey looks like. And I, I feel like I need him to have that. And throughout the whole year, Max Crosby versus Storm Norton kind of game where yeah. if you're if the guy across from you is clearly inferior to you, no offense to whoever that he's going up against this week, you have to just demolish that player. Yeah. You know, even if like maybe for a half, you know, they can kind of hold you off and you can do some things to prevent the rush from getting there. Like you got to dominate. And sometimes with Joey, it just doesn't happen. Sometimes he just dominates the better tackle for some reason. <laughs> but with Rashawn Slater, it's like every single time he's out there, he is dominating that edge rusher unless it's like Miles Garrett. And then even yeah. then it's just a it's a it's a problem, but not a huge problem. And he's right. telling Kelly to go away. Let me do it by myself. Like Joey needs to have those kinds of games where every single week, if there's some inferior guy, and same goes for Khalil Mack in this game and really for the whole defensive line, they should be able to dominate this game. And I think Joey needs to have that, like you said, for for his legacy. Because I think he's a he's a good charger, right? He's a good chargers player. We've loved right. having him. Can he get to that great level? I don't know yet. But he this is would be the year to start cementing that status as being closer to one of the greats. Yeah, I think like after the 2019 season, like I was starting to picture Joey as like one of the best defensive chargers ever, right? Like he was on that track and he could still end up on that track. You know, maybe he's got a few more years left in him, but the injuries have certainly played a factor. The being on poor defenses has certainly played a factor. So this, this is a really important year for Joey. And I think in this game, like you mentioned, this is a game he should dominate. Like, <laughs> like you're going from, going up in practice against uh, Rashawn Slater and Trey Pipkins to whatever the Dolphins tackle situation is, you know, uh, Ken, Kendall Lamb and Austin John and Austin Jackson, excuse me, not exactly uh, a murderer's row of offensive tackle play. So I, I do expect a good game from them, but um, getting to the key matchups here, I think there's a variety of ways that you could attack this. But for me, I, I wanted to highlight Zion Johnson and Dang Jamari it. Sawyer. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I can pivot if you want. I can pivot. No, no, no. That's fine. Okay. It's, offensive line, your thing. Yeah. So Zion and Jamari, I think I, I'm extremely optimistic about what this duo can be this year and going forward. I think moving to the left guard is going to be very beneficial for Zion. And I think moving inside is going to be very beneficial for Jamari, who was a, a, an above average tackle last year, just not in his natural position, in my opinion. Um, but you look at what this defensive line duo in Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins has done over the last couple of seasons. Obviously, Zach Sealer has just recently got paid a, a really nice contract. Um, one of the more underrated players in the league when you look at like per play statistics. And it starts against the run. I mean, if you go back and you watch that Chargers Dolphins game from last year, Christian Wilkins was literally all over the place. I felt like it was like a Max Crosby game. Like Christian Wilkins was in the backfield, like every other snap I felt like. Um, and that bears out to the numbers. If you look at from last season, Christian Wilkins was 10th in the league in run stop percentage, um, you know, with guys like Christian Barmore. And uh, I don't think I have this filtered actually. No, I don't. Excuse me. Let me filter this to 50%. So Christian Wilkins is number one in the league. <laughs> in run stop percentage <laughs> tied with Aaron Donald. Um, in that list with Jonathan Allen, DJ Reader, Cam Hayward. And right behind him is Zach Sealer. Zach Sealer was seventh in the league among defensive tackles with 50% of their snaps in run stop percentage at 10.3. So the Chargers have been very intentional of 
establishing an inside downhill run game this offseason. And similar to the secondary, this is a great test for what that's going to look like. Um, you're talking about two of the you know, most dominant run defending defensive tackles in the league. You're talking about Zion and Jamari, two ascending guard play uh, guard players. And this is a game where these two have to come out and really set the tone. Because can you imagine Zion and Jamari just like balling out, having this amazing game and the Chargers run game just clicks instantly? The kind of tone that can set for the rest of the season going forward the things that Kellamore wants to do on the ground going forward. It's just such an important, crucial first step because of who they are playing. Now, that's not to say that if they kind of struggle or maybe they have kind of like an average run game, that it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be bad on the ground all year, all year long. But if they are great and efficient run game this week against these two, I think it's just a huge step forward for this team. And I can't wait to watch it because, I, like I said, I'm very high on what Zion and Jamari can bring for this team. Yeah, that was – there's so many great players. And, honestly, there maybe are better players. Like, we get to talk about the tackles. But that interior – and Lindsay's involved with that as well. Is like what I wanted to focus right. on because it really, like – I don't know what the Chargers offense is going to be, but it seems like early on that rushing attack is what is going to be better. And I think fans maybe won't like to hear that or even see that because – it's all about Justin Herbert. You paid him. You got those receivers and Kellen Moore and, and throwing the ball down the field. But Fangio is not going to sit there and let you do that. Yeah, like he's not. He's 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 going to take not, away something. Yes, he's going to take away something. And guess what? It's probably a Herbert throwing it really far down the field because he's good at that. So how do the Chargers respond with their interior and their rushing group? Because you get that going and you start putting that on film and you've got that trio, which we're in love with. and We've seen and do great things. If they can get going. Like that, that is maybe the, you know, Jamari and, and Zion are the duo I'm kind of worried about, I guess, if I talk about the offensive line, because we don't know as much. And then you just you give Corey Lindsley, Richard Slater, Trey Pipkins, like those guys can play. We've seen them play. And if those guys can all click five across the line, the team just goes that much further in the postseason in several different games. I've seen a couple of times in the chat, people talk about, you know, Dolphins fans are, are really, really all about that Fangio game in Denver, but like, <laughs> That line was very different, and I'll take Zion was, over Arsenio uh, Calamete um, 100%. <laughs> any day of the week. Respectfully is the word of the day, apparently. Um, it is just different, and, and so yeah. that's a really good call there. Uh, for me, I guess key matchups, I think we've talked about everybody at this point, so I'll go to the last one that we really haven't mentioned other than receivers. And that's the two linebackers, and I really just want to see Pintelligence as an X factor here. Do these guys actually show up on the field on Sundays, on Thursdays, Mondays, whatever, like they have in practice can kenneth murray really in particular be that guy who takes the next step because i i feel awful and i feel it behind me that shadow of doubt because every time i say something positive about him in camp it's always a let's see how it really goes you know let, let, let's actually see if this is for real and i get it like I've, I've i've praised him one week and he got juked by baker mayfield the next week like i totally get having the uneasiness of of, of that situation now, so can those guys then limit what the Dolphins do? The Dolphins are going to try to get downhill fast, or they'll try outside zone. Who knows? But those guys are wanting to get into open space and work. Can the Chargers, can Eric Kendricks, can Kenneth Murray slow it down? Is, is that a big part of the defense? No. Honestly, I probably would have talked about corners, then edge rushers, then you know, then the defensive line, and then linebackers, but we've talked about them. Yeah. So I, I just think linebackers is that matchup because 
a lot of questions there for the Chargers. And if they can't do their work either, again, defensive line could do the whole job for them. But if they can't do their job, it's going to put a lot of strain on the secondary because regardless of how you feel about the guys who can cover on this team, this DB group isn't really known for tackling and playing the run. So as the last line of defense before the secondary, these two linebackers in particular got to play well. Yeah, and again, you got to set the tone. Like this, if you're Kenneth Murray, you got to come out week one and have a good game. There's been a ton of positive energy hype, I guess, around Eric Kendricks and like what he's going to mean for this team. Um, you got to prove it. Like I liked what I saw from Eric Kendricks last year. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, like this is an amazing upgrade for the team. Like this is going to be awesome. Like I, I thought it was like slightly above what Drew Tringle was giving them. But that's not good enough. Like they're they're giving him a nice contract. They're talking about all this responsibility. Like this is these two got to play well. Um, and it's not like they have a, a great third option that can come in and maybe like step up over these guys. I think everybody's all very positive about Dan Henley, who's probably not even going to play in this game. Um, but like this, these two are it. These two are the starters, and the team has made that very very clear. Um, so very excited to see how that one plays out. Um, we don't really talk a ton about Justin Herbert when we to do these episodes. Um, <laughs> yeah. and some of that is kind of by design. Cause we, we kind of just like know what he is. Right. But this is his first game after the rib injury, after the shoulder injury, which I don't know if you listened to, um, Khalil Mack's interview with Chris Long, but uh, the team loved what Justin Herbert did last year. And just like mm. the way that he battled through injuries and like mm-hmm. that really endeared him to the locker room. What are you expecting from Mr. Herbert this week against the Miami Dolphins and the aforementioned Vic Viaggio? It's tough. I, because I saw what he did last year, right? And, and the way Justin Herbert played is probably not sustainable, but there's something about, not granted this isn't prime time, but there's something about a slightly cranked up version of Justin Herbert who has a little bit more pressure and there's a little bit more expectations mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of narrative there. And, you know, he didn't even want to talk about the Jacksonville game at all. And I, I totally get that. <laughs> um, I, I think he is, or has been in training camp playing loose, playing free, you know, yeah. looking so happy. Um, I think he's ready to rock. I don't think we'll see the full extent of what the Chargers can do on offense, but I, I think we're going to see what we maybe didn't see in most of last year, which actually we kind of started to see in the Dolphins game, which is the mobility, the maneuvering in the pocket, um, with a healthy-ish rib. Now he should be fully healthy in, in, in both regards. So I, I think we'll see a really, really good like game. Okay, this is a terrible way to say it. Game manager version of Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. I just don't think we'll see like the the four-touchdown kind of game from him. I just don't think the Chargers are there yet as an offense. And again, I think their rushing attack is going to do a lot of the leg, room, leg work in this game. I am very curious to see like the offensive approach from Kellen Moore in this game. Um, like we mentioned, Vic Fangio probably going to focus on taking the deep ball away. Um, and is this a game where you want to maybe kind of manage the clock a little bit, run the football, you know, keep Tua and all those guys on the sideline? It's going to be very interesting. I, I, I tend to agree. I think the start of this season is probably more of Justin Herbert kind of managing the game, make, being an efficient quarterback, not necessarily lighting up. I think he'll play very, very well in that role. Um, this The start to this schedule is, is an underrated sense of it because the Dolphins and the Titans are extremely good defenses on paper. 
Um, the Titans might be the best in the league. Um, you know, insane, same with the Dolphins. So the, these two weeks, I, I'm not expecting Justin Herbert to like completely light it up. I'm expecting him to play well as he does. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but there's going to be some narratives out there that I think are going to come out that the offense is slow and it's not, you know, you know, clicking on all cylinders just yet. I think just like be a little bit patient because these two defenses that they're going to face in the first two weeks are incredible defenses. Um, that being said, we all know what Justin Herbert's capable of. He could certainly go nuclear and uh, go throw for four touchdowns and 300 yards this week. And I would not be surprised. No, not one bit. I see this. And it's funny looking back how much we loved this, but like the Chargers beat the Commanders week one, 2021, 20 to 16. But it yeah. felt really good. Like the offense was, I think they could went for a couple fourth downs. They were generally efficient. Things were very quick. There was that stupid Herbert like fumble thing where he threw it 20 oh. yards forward, but somehow it was a fumble. Um, yeah. They should have scored that drive. So like, like that, I think kind of a higher scoring version of that, I think is what the Chargers will get out of this game. Like a nice... Solid balance on offense, you know, maybe 23, 24, 27 points, but not, I don't think it's like give me the 35. Oh my gosh, Kellen Moore's offense. Man, I, I feel like the media has partially set up the Chargers to fail early, even if they win, because it's like, not, I'm not, I mean, Chargers media, I just mean, you know, the media in general, everyone's yeah, talking about, media, yeah. you know, everyone's got the big red circle around the one player and like Kellen Moore is elite, big eye emojis. And then it's like, Oh wow! Here they go, and they they'll probably score like twenty four points, um, but that's okay. Like that's a really good start for this team. It just can't be how they finish. It just can't be yeah. what they are by season's end. But that's 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 fine by me. Um, although, <laughs> Scott is saying, I would love for Kellen Moore to run up the scoreboard. I don't care about passing, running, whatever. Um, I'd be I'm very curious to see how the Chargers end up doing that this year if they do. Yeah, I just think like they've been so focused on the run game being like efficient but explosive like I, I think statistically like herbert's probably gonna start a little bit slower than some people will like but as long as they win i don't care <laughs> so right exactly um, should be fun man I, i'm really excited about this um it's a great matchup on paper it's it's a fantastic home opener this season uh you will be there i will not be there um but uh it should be a ton of fun as we inch closer and closer towards week one Absolutely. And now I see that we're down to 78 live viewers, which means the Chiefs Lions game, game has started. started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's third and three at the Detroit 32. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, appreciate Tyler for uh, joining me as always, preparing a great slideshow. Appreciate all of you guys for uh, tuning in for the chat. Um, we'll be going live on Saturday for our final picks and predictions, as well as uh, some questions from you guys. Um, so we'll see you at that time. That's going to do it for us. As always, bolt up and go Lions. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.